Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 to 18. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He's called Belteshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, the chief of magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream, interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree drew, grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it the beasts of the field found shelter and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed I looked and there before me was a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven. He called out in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowest, lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Please uh, leave your Bibles open there at chapter 4 of, of Daniel. Father God, we lift up to you all of the frustrations of having to wear masks, of all of the COVID restrictions, of not getting to see friends and family over the holiday break. Uh, Lord, we, we pray now as we sit here, Lord, and as we hear from your word, that your spirit would speak to each one of us, that you would convict our hearts and work in us that we would be made more and more like Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see that your spirit would be softening our hearts, making us attentive to your word. Help us to be shaped by it, Lord, and to stand on the authority of your word. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If Christianity were true and it meant that you had to give up everything to know the truth, would you still want to follow God? These are the words of the roommate of a man named Nabil Koresh. Nabil's the author of a book uh, that I read about 12 months ago called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's a really good book, very encouraging. I highly recommend getting a hold of it. In the book, Nabil shares his experience growing up in a devout Muslim family. By the age of five years old, he was uh, he had read the entire Quran in Arabic. And by his early teens, well, he was he had memorized more than a dozen chapters of the Quran. Nabil was zealous for Islam, and he was known for being somebody who would tell anyone who would listen that Islam is the one true faith. But his devotion to Islam was only overshadowed by his relationship with his mum and dad. His love for family was incredibly important to Nabil. If any of us had met Nabil back then, well, I'm sure that we'd be excused for thinking that he was too set in his ways, that his heart was too hard, and that his commitment to the religion that he'd grown up with was too strong for him to come to Christ, not to mention the incredibly high price he would have to pay to leave the religion of his parents. But amazingly, through the work of the Holy Spirit and through ordinary, faithful Christians like his roommate, God revealed the depth and breadth of his love for Nabil, a love that would cost him his relationship with his parents and many of his friends. But as Nabil himself testifies, the blessings of having Christ in his life makes every loss worth it. Over the last few weeks in Daniel, we've been reading about God's wisdom and understanding as he revealed mysteries that were beyond the wisest men in Babylon. And last week we read about his amazing power as God delivered Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from this incredibly intensely hot furnace. This morning, we're going to be looking at the most amazing miracle in the book of Daniel, as God softens the hardest of hearts. The most stubborn man in Babylon, his heart is softened so that he would reveal God's glory. Like Nabil, Nebuchadnezzar grew, among, grew up amongst an incredibly religious people. He would have grown up learning about all of the different gods of Babylon. He would have been taught about their amazing power as his father, King Nabopolassar, conquered nation after nation, people group after people group, until they had finally conquered the entire known world. This was the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar now ruled. And as king, Nebuchadnezzar, ruled this kingdom with complete authority. His word was the last word in any matter in Babylon, no matter what the topic. His decisions were final. 
And no one who valued their life would dare question this powerful king. Nebuchadnezzar had every pleasure and comfort that the human heart could ever possibly hope to desire. He had all the authority and power that anyone could ever achieve. And the nation that he ruled over was enjoying an incredible time of prosperity and peace. The idea that a man so powerful, so wealthy and so comfortable would ever humble himself and glorify the God of heaven and earth would have seemed absolutely ludicrous. After all, God had already revealed his wisdom and understanding as he spoke through Daniel to reveal the message of the dream that he'd been given in chapter 2. And he'd shown his power as he delivered Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. While Nebuchadnezzar had marvelled at these amazing signs for a little while, as time went on, he slowly went back to the gods of his forefathers. But in these verses, God is doing something miraculous. He is softening a heart of stone. God is revealing his incredible patience and mercy as he gives the king of Babylon yet another opportunity to hear and believe, as God shows that no one is beyond salvation. Because God can do the impossible. God can soften the hardest of hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. If anyone has come into a right relationship with God, it's only because the Holy Spirit has done a miraculous work in their heart, just like the one we're going to be reading about this morning. If anyone has come into a right relationship with God, it's because of God's incredible patience with us, his mercy and his love, so that we who were once enemies of God, just like Nebuchadnezzar, might give him the praise and the glory that he deserves. In the verses we're looking at this morning, Nebuchadnezzar is actually giving his testimony. He's sharing the good news of what God has done in his life with everybody in his kingdom. And he's explaining how it was possible for him to return after seven years of madness. But he's also explaining that even though he's returned to the throne, he is no longer the same man. As Nebuchadnezzar shares his testimony with people of every kingdom, every, sorry, every nation, every people group in his kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar declared, it is my pleasure to tell you about this miraculous, the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Now these aren't the kind of words you would normally expect to hear from a Babylonian king. Normally the king would give a speech about new lands that they'd conquered, 
new cities that had been built and all of the wonderful things that the king had achieved under his rule. But here, Nebuchadnezzar gives praise to God Most High and celebrates God's kingdom as the kingdom that has dominion or authority throughout the generations. This is not what anyone would have expected to hear. But Nebuchadnezzar goes on to explain how he came to this understanding. It was during a time when the king was content and Babylon was incredibly prosperous that the, kingdom, the king was given a dream, a second dream. And like his first dream, this dream terrified him. He knew that the message of this dream had a very important message for him as king, but also for his kingdom. But like the first dream, he did not understand what that message was. And so once again, he told his magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners to come and tell him about this dream. But again, none of them were able to. Even though the God of Daniel, the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had displayed his power and authority, his wisdom and understanding to Nebuchadnezzar, he still went to all the wise men of Babylon first. But finally, as Daniel was brought before the king, Daniel gave him the meaning of this dream. Nebuchadnezzar told Daniel that his dream, in his dream he saw an enormous tree in the middle of the land, a tree that grew and grew until it was so big that it could be seen from anywhere on the earth. This tree was beautiful. It was fruitful and it gave shelter to all of the, the animals in the field and all kinds of birds in the air. Then a voice declared from heaven, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, but let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of the heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass for him. And all this took place so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. But when Daniel heard these words, just like Nebuchadnezzar, he too was terrified. The implications of giving such a powerful king an unfavourable interpretation to this dream well, they were very real and very serious for Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar could execute anyone he wanted with one simple command. But after Nebuchadnezzar had reassured Daniel that it's okay to tell him the truth about this dream, Daniel gave him the interpretation. Daniel explained that the enormous tree that had grown up strong and provided shelter for all the animals of the air and the animals in the field. This tree represented Nebuchadnezzar, whose power and authority were unequaled among men. But then a holy one coming down from heaven commanded the tree be cut down 
and destroyed, leaving only the stump and its roots. Daniel said that Nebuchadnezzar will be driven away from people and will live like a wild animal. He will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. For seven years, Nebuchadnezzar will be in this state, this incredible state of madness, until he finally comes to the place of repentance where he acknowledges that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and that everything Nebuchadnezzar has, all his power and authority, everything he has, has been given to him by God. But the command to leave this stump was a sign that Nebuchadnezzar would be returned to the throne once he had acknowledged that God Most High is king over all. After Daniel had explained this dream, he urged Daniel, he urged Nebuchadnezzar, he warned him to turn from his wickedness, to turn to the Lord, to repent, so that he might avoid this time of suffering. But even after this dream, even after the signs that he'd been given in the past, Nebuchadnezzar's heart was too hard. Even though he'd seen God delivering Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, even though he'd been given the interpretation to his other dream, his heart was too hard. But yet, despite the hardness of his heart, the Lord continued to show him mercy anyway. For 12 months after this dream was interpreted, the Lord held off on this judgment, giving Nebuchadnezzar another 12 months to turn to him, to turn away from his wickedness. Even though Nebuchadnezzar had been given so many signs, so many opportunities to turn and repent, he still refused to humble himself before the Lord. So one day, while Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of his house, he was looking out at all of the things that were his, in his kingdom. And as he looked out, he said to himself, Is not this the great Babylon I have, made, I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? And before he'd even finished speaking these words, a voice from heaven declared, this is what's decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And immediately these words were fulfilled. Nebuchadnezzar was driven to madness and driven away from people. He ate the grass of the fields and slept out in the weather with the animals. His hair grew so thick and long and became so matted that it was like feathers of a bird. And his fingernails grew like the claws of a bird. And all this happened 
because Nebuchadnezzar refused to humble himself before the Lord. Now, of course, this is not saying that all kinds of mental illness are a direct punishment of God. But in this particular instance, that is how God was humbling Nebuchadnezzar. For seven years, the most powerful man in Babylon lived and acted in this way. He lived as one who was virtually demon-possessed, someone who was mad. Until seven years was complete, until his sanity was restored and he raised his eyes towards heaven and he began to praise the Lord. And he said, his dominion is eternal dominion. His kingdom endures forever, from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that his sanity was restored to him, he was also restored to his throne. But now, having seen the glory of God Most High, having experienced his judgment, but also his mercy, Nebuchadnezzar became a far greater king than he ever had been before. Because now he acknowledged that everything God does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. In this morning's passage, the most powerful man in the known world refused to give up his own glory for the sake of the one who had given him everything. Nebuchadnezzar had been shown mercy over and over and over again. As God revealed himself through Daniel, as Daniel gave him the interpretation to his first dream, as he revealed mysteries that the wisest men in Babylon were not able to understand. And as he saw the amazing miracle of God meeting Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the flames, and yet even after this prophecy of God's judgment that he'd received in this dream, God gave Nebuchadnezzar another 12 more months to turn and repent until he finally judged him for his pride and rebellion. It took all of that before Nebuchadnezzar was willing to humble himself before the living God. And so reading this should prompt us to ask ourselves, what will it take for us to humble ourselves before the God of heaven and earth? How much will we need to endure before we humble ourselves before him. On two other occasions, Nebuchadnezzar was willing to acknowledge the existence of God Most High. He was even willing to bring him praise, as long as he didn't expect anything of Nebuchadnezzar. As far as Nebuchadnezzar was concerned, this was his kingdom that he had built and all of his subjects should be giving him glory for all that he had done. But God loved him too much to let him get away with that. God loved him so much that he took all of that away from him. 
all of those things that were getting in the way of his relationship with the Lord. Until seven years later, when Nebuchadnezzar finally acknowledged the power and authority of the living God and his sanity was restored. He was given eyes to see and ears to hear for the very first time. He now understood that everything he had, all that he had achieved, all his wealth, power and authority, all of those things were given to him by the one true God. If Christianity were true and it meant you had to give up everything to know the truth, would you want to know, would you want to follow God? It took seven years of suffering for the hard, hard, hard heart of Nebuchadnezzar to be made soft and ready to acknowledge the power and authority of the living God. All that he had his power and authority, his dignity, the respect that he'd earned from his people were taken away as he was driven away like a madman so that Nebuchadnezzar might be humbled before the one true and living God. If that's what it took to humble Nebuchadnezzar before the Lord, what will it take for us to acknowledge God's power and authority in giving us everything we have? What will it take for us to put aside the pride we have built up in our own earthly kingdoms that we've built for ourselves? Our homes, our farms, our businesses, our children and our grandchildren, all of our qualifications and our skills, all of these things, every single one of them have been given to us by God. And yet, we are still so often tempted, like Nebuchadnezzar, to give ourselves a pat on the back for all that we have achieved, rather than giving God the glory for all that he has done for us. What will it take for us to humble ourselves before the living God and to acknowledge that even our greatest works are filthy rags compared to the perfection of Christ? Jesus says in Matthew 23, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. In these verses, Daniel faithfully proclaimed the word of God to Nebuchadnezzar as he interpreted this dream. But the hardness of Nebuchadnezzar's heart meant that he did not have ears to hear and eyes to see. He was too busy holding on to his pride to acknowledge the one who had given him everything until God humbled him and caused him to raise his eyes to heaven. This morning's passage is a reminder that no one is too far gone for God to bring to himself, which means that we should never be willing to write anyone off as too hard for God to save. God is the one who softens hearts. He is able to bring the proud to a place of humility. And if we understand and believe this, that God is able to soften hard hearts, 
then we'll be praying for those family members and friends who we are often tempted to write off. As Nebuchadnezzar declared, everything he does is right and all his ways are just. God could have written off Nebuchadnezzar at any point, certainly given him enough opportunities to repent and believe. But because of God's mercy, because of his incredible patience, God continued to persevere with Nebuchadnezzar. None of us deserve God's mercy. None of us deserve to be in relationship with the living God. It's only because of his patience with us, his grace, his mercy, the fact that he has given us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity until we finally believe. It's only because of that that any of us are saved. As Romans 3 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands and no one who seeks God. We all deserve to be judged by the Lord for our own sin and rebellion. We are no less guilty of pride and rebellion than Nebuchadnezzar. But even though we are sometimes too hard, it's sometimes too hard for us to see and hear what God is doing in our lives, God displayed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At the beginning of the week when I first started looking at these verses, I did a, a, a reading of the whole passage in one big go. And the thing that struck me was how utterly thick Nebuchadnezzar was. God had revealed himself to Nebuchadnezzar over and over and over again. He had seen him do some incredibly amazing miracles and yet he was still too blind to see what God was doing right in front of his eyes. And sadly, upon reflection, I realised that I'm just like Nebuchadnezzar. This morning's passage, as we reflect on these words, may we recognise that it is only because of God's mercy, because of his incredible patience, because he has given us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to turn to him. It's only because of all of that, because of his love for us, that we have been brought into a saving relationship with Christ Jesus. God has the power to soften even the hardest of hearts and everyone who trusts in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour is proof of that. It's only because of God's mercy and his incredible patience with us that we who were once enemies have been reconciled to God, united not by our own suffering, by the suffering and death of God's one and only Son in our place. So may we humble ourselves before the living God. May we be willing to give up our pride, the pride that we have in the kingdoms we have built for ourselves. May we be willing to follow him no matter what the cross cost. 
And may we give God the glory that he deserves. Let's pray. Father God, we confess that we are no less guilty of sin and rebellion than Nebuchadnezzar. Our kingdoms may not be as impressive as his, our wealth not as vast, but our hearts are often as hard. Lord, we thank you that in your great mercy you broke into our lives, that your spirit softened our hearts to hear the good news of Jesus, to repent and believe. And Lord, as you called us, Lord, we pray that you would help us to live lives of repentance, lives of ongoing recognition that you are God, that everything we have has been given to us by you, and that our lives here on earth have been given to us so that we might bring you the glory and praise that you deserve. Lord, we thank you for the love that you have shown us through your Son, a love that we can barely fathom, a love that we certainly don't deserve. We thank you for this undeserved mercy and we pray that you would help us to live as ones redeemed from the pit of hell so that we might bring you the glory and praise that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen.